Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. All right, today we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and uh, we're going to go line by line as we normally do. And, um, you know, it's Mother's Day, and uh, this, this year the Lord allowed me to, to focus on a lady. He typically allows me to do that. But this year, he kind of gave me a little more license than, than normal. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and uh, verse 1. And as you turn there or, or get ready on your iPhone or iPad, whatever you're doing, or take a look at the screen, I'm going to pray for you. Father, open eyes right now. Father, we didn't come here because we didn't have anything better to do. We came to be in your presence and to learn from you. So may your word go deep and may it change our thinking and maybe be stronger uh, for all that takes place today. And the church says, Amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 says, And there was a certain man. In uncertain times, God's plans always begins with a certain person. You know, God has chosen you for this life only because he already put in you what you need to live in. So if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling like, like you can't, here's the deal. If you're in it, you must have what it takes to get through it. Because God, you know, he assigned you to a time just for you, to circumstances that he's equipped you to handle and to face. So we see that there's this certain man, and uh, then there's this long description here, a Ramatham uh, Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah the son of Jerohim, and the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. Now, all that was to say that Elkanah was a solid guy. He had traceable roots. He had a, a serious pedigree in history. In fact, if you're familiar with, with the Bible and all the, the various begots, you'll, you'll discover that he was a Kohathite. So he was part of the head Levitical clan uh, that was responsible. We, we talked about this a little bit last week for carrying the Ark of the Covenant, responsible for uh, also breaking down the furniture when they move from place to place, the temple furniture. So he, he was, again, of a chief tribe, uh, chief significance. All of the high priests came through, the Kohathites. And the Bible says, in, uh, despite this pedigree, he had some challenges. Verse 2, and he had two wives. How many know that when you uh, read about two women in the Bible, typically trouble's about to show up? Yeah. And I wish we'd learned that today, but, but that's an aside. Polygamy in the ancient world was very, very common. And uh, it was actually uh, dangerous, perilous for a couple to uh, go through life and not have kids because when they got older and, you know, perhaps they, they got ill and weaker in body, they would have no one to care for them. So it was vital to have a loving children, not just one, but they, you know, to, you know, sometimes you, you don't have the perfect kid, but if you have 10 of them, you know, one of them is going to care for you. So, um, you know, you wanted to have kids because they didn't have social security. They didn't have any of these cushions we have. You know, if, if no one took care of you, you were in trouble as you got older and, and weaker. So when a first wife could not have children, uh, the law made it permissible, not advisable, but permissible, okay, uh, for a person or a man to have a second wife. But how many of us know too many spoons stirring the pot spills the soup? Yeah. So that's what we're about to dig into today. 
Well, this guy had two wives, and the name of one was Hannah. Her name meant grace, or her name meant favor. And the name of the other was uh, Panina, which, which meant pearl or, or, or coral stone. And, and we'll dig into that perhaps another time because the, the, the meaning of their names are, are, are rich. But we see here that Panina, the one who was supposed to, her, she, her name was favor and grace. Despite her name, Hannah had no, no children. But, but what we're about to see is Elkanah chose his second wife, well, in fact, she was an absolute baby-making machine. Tradition says she had 10, 10 sons. Now, we're going to also read she had, he had daughters, or she had daughters. So, I mean, she got this thing done. But back to what I began to say with Hannah. Now, Panina, you know, was this baby-making machine. She was getting it done. But then the Bible says, but Hannah. Ever been in a position where people... Mention your name with a butt in front of it. She's pretty, but. She's smart, but. She's talented, but. Hannah experienced God's grace, and, and she was rightly named in, in every area of her life, it seems, except this one. But Hannah had no children. Now, in the ancient world, childbearing was considered a woman's ultimate blessing. It was a sign of ultimate favor. And barrenness was also, on, on the other hand, it was considered a curse. And, and an infertile woman often felt less than. This was Sarah's struggle. This was later Rebecca's struggle. We, we find the struggle in the messianic line throughout. And often we struggle in the place that God's going to use us most to bless. And that, that, that's super important. But, but I could imagine Hannah, you know, sometimes walked around with her head down because she couldn't do what other women did. And she, she's probably soft-spoken and, and she didn't speak as loudly. She, she wasn't as bold. And does anyone in here, you know, uh, have a few barren areas in, in your life? You know, any, any areas you feel a little bit less than? But, but here's the deal. All of us have such areas. And God's grace touches us often at different times in different places. And it says, this man with, with these family problems went up from his city yearly to worship. We need more men like this today. And he went to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. So we know something of the backdrop. Now, again, you guys all look good, but all of us got issues and challenges we're dealing with when we leave this place. So, you know, he, he came to worship and, and lifted his holy hands and he, he made the sacrifices, but, you know, he loved a woman that, that, that couldn't have babies that looked like her. He had major problems in the home that the two women were fighting and, and how many, you know, again, two women in the kitchen, that, that's something else. And, but here's the deal, all that happening, it didn't keep him from showing up in church when he was supposed to. And then it adds a little background information. It says, also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the, the priests of the Lord were, were there. Now, again, if you're familiar with your Bible, you know that these two priests, they were under their daddy Eli, who we're going to read about in a little bit. They were so immoral, the Bible called them scoundrels. I mean, for the Bible to call you a scoundrel, you, you got to be, you, you got to be something else. And eventually, God got so annoyed with these two boys that he killed both of them on the same day. So, so we see here this Elkanah, he has 
personal problems. He has family problems. Now on top of that, he has church problems. So, so this guy is dealing with some stuff. But verse 4 says, and whenever the time came for Elkanah to make a what? Offering. Despite his own complications, despite the, the corruption in the church around him. By the way, you're going to find corrupt churches, you're going to find corrupt pastors, but, but here's the deal. You're not doing it for nobody's pastor. You're not lifting hands because of somebody's church. Last I checked, we're doing it for God. And if I do it for God, he's the rewarder. So I don't care what they do. I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. So it, it says here that Elkanah, despite the corruption in culture, in the religious institution at this time, made an offering. Now, because this word offering is so common to us, we overlook what it really means. It's that we, we see at the front of that word, offer, and then ing. Ing meaning it's an action. So really what an offering is, is us making an offer to God. When's the last time you made an offer? to God. That became an offering. It was a moment where God didn't have to chase you down. He didn't have to kind of get you in the corner and drag it. When's the last time you really made an offer ring to God? And during this offering, he would give portions to both of his wives. He'd start with Panina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. And when we bless God, God makes sure that we can also bless our families. He's a God like that. But watch this. Out of these two ladies, it says to Hannah, he would give a double portion. Ever have twice as much in one area, but didn't make up for the deficit in another area of your life? I mean, you're healthy, but you have no money. You have money, but you got that crazy child. Or maybe you have good children, but your spouse is unfaithful. And here's the deal. This is something you got to know. Until we get to glory, till we make it into those pearly gates, life's going to be a mixed blessing for all of us. Job said it this way. Shall I accept good from God and not adversity? And the reality is life often runs in two tracks. And I, I told you once of this past, he wrote one of the, the most famous books, you know, Purpose, Purpose Driven Lives in, you know, the last hundred years. Millions of books were sold. But after he published that book, he was exploding. And the, the, you know, the work was exploding. His son tried to commit suicide. It was amazing. On one hand, there was so much favor and blessing but on the other, so much pain. And what he said is he said, life often runs on two tracks, like a choo-choo train. It takes both tracks to get to where you're going. On one side, there's the positive. But to get to, again, where you're going, you also got to deal with the negative. And this was the case with Panina. And some of us think, well, if I give my life to Jesus, you know, everything's going to be honky-dory. Everything's going to be fixed. No more struggle. No more pain. No, you just have purpose now. You just have someone with you in the pain. And, and yes, he will spare you some of the pain. But the reality is everyone who lives godly in Christ is going to suffer some stuff. And in life, you go through things. And on one hand, you know, he had this beautiful wife. But on the other hand, 
she couldn't have a baby. But it says here, but to Hannah, he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah. But watch this. Although. I mean, that one word is really the message of my life. He's loved me, although. You know, I, I might not have been as fast, as quick, as sharp, and as smart, as bright as the next person, but he loved me in spite of me. Elkanah loved her, although she couldn't give him what other women could. And, and here's the deal. I'm not so impressed with, with when, when someone sees all the good in me and then loves me. That's not at all impressive. But I am amazed when someone sees all the bad in me and still loves me. And despite her weakness, her husband loved her. And ladies, in spite of his weakness, find a way to love him. For he loved Hannah, although she couldn't do what other women could do for him, although the Lord had closed her womb. Now, this is the unpleasant part of today's service, but I kind of introduce it a little bit. This is unpleasant, but sometimes our barrenness is part of God's plan. That's important. Because the very thing you're lacking the very thing people tease you about, make fun of you about, is often the thing that God uses to make you great. Here's the deal. We would have never heard of Hannah if she could on her own produce babies like everybody else. It was because she was barren and God did this miracle. So your issue and, and that thing that, that makes you feel less than is the very thing God wants to use. The, the, the apostle said it this way, in my weakness... He is strong. People wonder, well, you know, sometimes where, where my grit comes from. It comes from the fact I can't do this. I don't have the strength in my own to live this life. I don't have the ability or the gifting in myself to do everything required of me in each day of my life. And I got to learn to dig in. I got to learn to deal with my weakness. I got to learn to push past. I, I got to learn to persevere and to press on despite what I can't do. And out of that comes the determination in the grid. I'm not standing here because I'm wonderful. I'm standing here because he's wonderful and he's helped me and pushed me and prodded me and sometimes even carried me on my way. And it says, Hannah, again, a woman full of grace. And you would think at Grace Church, there'd be no rivalry. At Grace Church, there'd be no problems. But wherever you got grace, you're going to find some trouble. In the midst, her name is Grace, in the midst of all that grace, a rival arose. And it wasn't a rival, you know, you could kind of deal with one at the job. You might be able to even deal with one at church. But when she sleeps in the same bed, I just got real for some of y'all. I had a friend I used to work with in, in Africa. He was from Kenya, and he was the son of one of his father's three wives. He told me as a boy, the tension between the wives was so intense. And sometimes they would, you know, do incantations and stuff against each other. I mean, it was serious stuff, and, and they'd even sacrifice against one wife that she wouldn't have kids or the, or the child would die. It was just, it was just, it was just a, 
a, a whole thing. And he said literally when he would walk past some of the wives' huts, the tension was so thick, the hair on the back of his neck would stand up. So the, this rivalry is real. And the language here is intense. It says, and her rival also provoked her, not just a little poking, but the Bible says severely. How do we handle it when, when someone tries to, to be big by making us look small? Now, this woman had every incentive. She didn't want Elkanah to love her the way he did. So, so she wanted to knock her down off her pedestal. And, and she, she flaunted her success and her babies and, and her hips, fingers, and all that stuff that made her a woman that Hannah didn't seem to have in the same way. And, and she, she, she flaunted and reminded Hannah what she didn't have and, and all her, her, her failures. But, but here's the deal. Sometimes we can't discover our strength until we come face to face with our greatest weaknesses. And it's, and it's in our, my weakness that I become strong. When I realize I can, I say, but he can. And, and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Lord, I'm going to get this done. I know I'm not tall enough, not big enough, not smart enough. But God, you can do it through me. And that determination rises up. You discover greatness within her rival. Again, a, a, a woman sleeping with her man, her rival provoked her severely, watch this, to make her miserable. I love the honesty of the Bible. What we see here is this heroine, this, this great woman of God goes and slips into a depression. I mean, the circumstances are, are so in, intense that she's dealing with a level of misery and there's going to be challenges in our, on our journey. Why was she miserable? Because the Lord had closed her womb. So, again, it broke Hannah's heart that she couldn't give her husband what other women could, and it was killing her. It was breaking her, and just because you got blessing in this area doesn't mean, you know, some people, we start envying the rich, but that just says that money's our personal idol. Because I know many very, very wealthy, wealthy people and I can't say they're any happier. And though they may be blessed in this one area, but the kids are crazy. Their spouses don't always come home. All of their self-value comes from stuff they got that rust decays. But then you look at that family that might be struggling financially, but their sense of self and, and worth comes from the living God. And, and there's a stability and their, their kids worship and, and their spouse loves them. Do you follow what I'm saying? Who's really the rich one? So it was year by year. This was going on. This wasn't a minute. You know, some of us, we have a little five bad five minutes. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. No, this was year by year by year by year by year. And she went up to the house of the Lord. Now, here's the question. Why did Elkanah and Hannah keep coming to church? Because we worry less when we praise more. They understood that. And then the Bible starts laying out some details. And you would think, well, she, you know, this couple's supposed to be blessed. He's of the, 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 the line of the Kohathites. And, and, and this woman's name is Grace. And man, everything in their, their, their lives ought to be just, you know, just, just moving forward and happening and popping and all the rest. But we see that in the car on the way to church, as well as when they got to church, Panina would provoke her. 
She would try to push all Hannah's buttons in and try to embarrass her again in front of Elkanah and try to get, you know, Hannah to, to, to act outside her name. And, and finally, though, Hannah had enough. Watch this. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. But instead of punching Panina in the face, instead of handling it the love and hip hop way, she turned over her plate before God and gave it to the Lord. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, and men don't always understand, Hannah, why are you crying, baby? Why, 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 why do you weep? Come on, this, this is good food. That, that, this is the best of the... But why, why do you not eat? Why, why, are you, why are you so heartbroken? I mean, I'm trying to be the best husband I could be. I'm trying to give you everything I can. Why are you so depressed? Why are you so, so sad? And, and this is why they say that, that uh, uh, Panina had 10 sons, because he, he says, am I not better than, than the 10 sons that Panina has given me. Uh, but here's the thing. Sometimes even the love of your life can't solve all your problems. Again, the double portion in one area doesn't always make up for the missing portion in another. At times, I know when I go to God, I'll even feel a little bit guilty and the devil play with my head. Say, don't press God about that. You got so much, you know, else in this other area. But God wants to save me wholly and completely. Not just, you know, church areas of my life, but every area of my life. The ESV says, after Panina, Elkanah, and, and the rest of the family had finished eating and drinking, I mean, it's digging into the story, and it's not making, you know, the, the saints look like, you know, everything's always peachy and wonderful. It's talking about their struggle here. They finished drinking at Shiloh. Now, Shiloh, I mean, this is Shiloh Baptist. I mean, this is, this is, this is, this is the church, okay? You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.